Hey, everybody. Hello. 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 I am a human. Ha ha ha. Hello. I am a real human. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. I am a real human. Creepy. Hello. On this week's episode, we roll out Christy 2.0. We are trying to see if a robot will be the same as the real Christy. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. I am a real human. God, it's so creepy. I can't take you doing that for like <laughs> even even like fifteen seconds. It's so weird. Uh, hello and welcome back to Goose Chase for another week of chasing geese with uh, your host, a robot android port. Ha ha ha! I am a real human, and I am Drogzy baby. <laughs> back for another week. Woo! Yeah, Woo! where we chase some geese and try not to step in their shit. <laughs> Let's put that on the potential catchphrase pile. Yeah. That's, we'll think about that one a little longer. In this episode, I am going to range between robot and early morning DJ. <laughs> uh, a la Crazy Ira and the Douche. Yes. Something like that. And the douche. And the douche. Douche nation. <laughs> Those guys are totally, that is every fucking daytime, like, like drive time radio DJ. Those yeah. are the guys. Yeah. They it's, hit it on the nose there. It's always something like that. It's always like wacky Tom and the, the lion plenty man. Plenty of slide whistle happening. <laughs> yeah, right. We got to get ourselves a slide whistle. We if, get, we, if we want to be in the big time. Podcasting game, we need to slide with. How are we going to take this to the next level? I'm saying soundboard full of farts. Mm, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I could probably patch that in, honestly. I'm sure you could. Or little... we could just use real farts. We could. We need extra microphones. And a lot of beans. In different locations. We've got plenty of microphones. We just need to rearrange them. <laughs> no, let's not. <clears throat> and say we did. Okay. Um, so, gosh. I'm disappointed. <laughs> let's, let's get caught up. It is uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the 7th of February. Did you have February. to check to see if it was Wednesday? I had to see. I had only to see what record on Wednesdays. I had to see what, what the day was. The oh. 7th of February. Uh, we got a right. ton of snow today. We uh, did. So we have a winter, a winter storm over our heads. Yes. Um, you were, you were a nice sweetie today. And you shoveled the driveway for me. Almost gave myself a heart attack. That was sweet. Uh, I didn't know that part. <laughs> exhausting. Cause yeah. Like anything over like like a couple of inches of snow and I'm like, nah, I can't do it. Well, also it was that fluffy, heavy snow. Yeah, the wet Kinda snow. Kind of wet. I know snow is wet, guys. We know snow is wet. We know what it's made of. But you yeah. know what we mean. Some of it is wetter than other snow. Right. And this is some pretty wet snow. I gave a plaintive wave at the Austin Town road guy as he passed. Just sort of like, hello, also please pull it in my driveway. <laughs> uh, and that didn't happen. Mm. Um, he didn't get the signal. Well, he waved back, but kind of like, a, yeah, you're on your own. Mm. Um, that douche. Yeah, I can't say I blame the guy. He was way behind schedule. He hadn't even done the road yet by the yeah. time I was out there. So that was something. Uh, when I showed up to work, <coughs> the, like the parking lot was not plowed. 
yeah. at all. Uh, one of my coworkers was shoveling someone out of her spot. Like, apparently she came into work, but she ended up being told that she could go home because she was going to be getting overtime anyway and yeah. it was crappy out. So they're like, hey, you get a snow day if you want. So in the few hours that she had been at work, it had snowed so heavily and the parking lot had not been plowed enough that like she was going to have trouble getting out of the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So they had to dig her out. Yeah. I already preemptively looked like 25 days into the future <clears throat> looking forward to spring because I can't do this much longer. Yeah. Like I really can't do winter much longer. We had a longer. really late winter. Like Yeah, we did. We didn't start really having a lot of snow until um half a month ago or something like yeah i could have said two weeks yeah but i said half a month <laughs> all right <laughs> all right um let's see what else is new mcdouble watch mcdouble watch 2018 is still happening no still mcdouble no returning McDouble. it's not coming back it doesn't look good for the mcdouble i've been keeping my eye out i don't think it's coming back yeah i'm sorry baby so that's going on um, oh, the Shamrock Shake will be in next month, though, so that's exciting. Yay. <laughs> All of my news from now on will be about <laughs> it's McDonald's. It's just only about McDonald's. Yeah, that's it. Mm, what else about McDonald's can we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't I, really have anything interesting. There's just not a lot going on. It's just, just, it's that chunk of the winter. Where all you can think to talk about is the goddamn weather and nothing's happening. Um, how broken it's made you. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, today we talked about vitamin D deficiencies at work. Oh, really? Yeah, I was talking about how you were asking me if um, vitamin D is like pretty safe to take over the counter and yeah. stuff like that. And It uh, seems like you should just be able to take <clears throat> as much as you want and your body will just pee out everything you can't take. Like everything else, right? Like vitamin think, C, that's how it I works? I think it's possibly one of those. But, yeah, like, it's it's relatively safe to take, take the supplements. Yeah. It's just, I think the there's no harm in taking the ones over the counter. It's just that if you're very deficient, they're not going to touch it. Okay, right. So if you're very deficient in it, what the doctor will do is write you a script for like a like a bazillion so IUs of they they measure in international units. Yeah. It's fifty thousand international units and you take it once a week. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. And the ones over the counter are like, you know couple thousand okay. international units. Okay. Five hundred international units. Right. Stuff like that. Which you could take every day, but it's still not gonna touch like taking one or two of those a week, depending on how deficient you are. So gotcha. I was on the prescription strength before mm -hmm. because I was living in Pittsburgh and working overnight and I burn easily anyway. Yeah. So I have to wear sunscreen if I'm going outside and uh, sunscreen blocks vitamin D absorption. Oh, okay. I actually so, didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And blocks hmm. vitamin D absorption. So if you are a person that is pale and you wear sunscreen every time you go outside, you might be vitamin D deficient anyway, especially if you live in an area that doesn't get a whole lot of sun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what would you say, and this is just an idea, and roll with me, 
Let's put two tanning beds in this little studio here. <clears throat> For the rest of the winter, we'll do the episodes from the tanning beds, <laughs> right? Bring the microphone in with you, and you just kind of clutch it up to your face. We won't be able to see each other, but I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah, it's like isolation tanks it's meets gonna be good and tanning beds. can't wait for the cancer. Yeah, right. Right. See, you get it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> see, you get it. See, you get it. You get me. I do. You get me, girlfriend. I do. <laughs> um... Yeah, but there's yeah. Other than that, I guess I don't know what else to. Nah, sort we don't. Of... We don't need to do this. Yeah, we right. don't need to chit chat. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we don't have anything to talk about, we don't need to make anything up. I mean, it's just been one of those weeks so far. It well, has. Not that much has happened. That's okay. Yeah. Not every week is going to be, you know, you finding out your dog is part Siberian husky. <laughs> right. Not every week. Not every week. Maybe half the week. Just half the weeks. I could learn that over and over again in like a horrific 50 first dates type situation where I just forget everything the next day. You didn't even need to add the horrific. <laughs> it's included. It's included in 50 first dates. <laughs> yeah. I liked that movie, but I liked it in the way that you like all Adam Sandler movies. Right. Yeah, which is uh, with with a bit of irony attached. Yeah. It's like, it's, but I love it's Drew not Barrymore. I, I do, love Drew Barrymore. I do like Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Do you want to watch Whip It with me again? No. Hmm. It's a Drew Barrymore movie. Yeah, but I saw it already. That's why I said again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do love Drew Barrymore movies. Yeah. They're good. Do you want to watch Never Been Kissed with me? I've never watched that one. <gasps> I've never been watched Never Been Kissed. It has Drew Barrymore in it. Did she get kissed? <clears throat> I'm not telling. I bet at the end. <laughs> um, I gave him a funny face. Yeah. It was a, because you can't hear my face. It's like a Jim Halpert face. Of, mm, yeah. I don't know. Look at the camera. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I'm... I'm looking into the camera. Is there a camera over there? I'm afraid to turn around now. There might be. Or it might just be a lamp that I blinded myself with by <laughs> staring at it, just pretending now. it's a camera. Hmm. <laughs> camera huh. lamp. Um, so. Lampra. Lamp Lampra? Mm -hmm. Lamp camera. Lampra. That's a stretch. <laughs> I'm putting you, no, on, no putting you on notice. It's a portmanteau. Oh my god. What was the thing? Oh my god. So this Portman's this, toe? It'll never leave my head. Like my my buddy Matt, who if he's listening to this, Matt, I I I could never make this work in my head. He said to me one time trying to make a portmanteau out of like a portman's toe, like the toe of a man that works on it doesn't work. It's not a portmanteau. <laughs> it doesn't work, but he like really tried to dig <laughs> in on it and I was just like, man, I am not getting whatever wavelength you're on for this. <laughs> he wanted it to be a thing. Yeah. It's I don't, not a I, thing. I don't blame sorry, him. Matt. It, it'd be awesome if it worked, but it just doesn't. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to just move on to the news quiz? <laughs> <laughs> in a weird mood. <laughs> A port, a, a port man's toe, though. Do you guys get it? No. No. I don't. I don't. I want to get it. It's not there. All anyway. Right. You want some news? I want to hear the news. All right. I want to I wanna give it to you. News me, Cap'n. All right. 
So what do we got? <clears throat> first headline. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to this for the first time, I'm going to do this whole spiel again. Christy has two. <laughs> I'm doing it with my arms waving like, around in the air. It's like... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Punching the air wildly. Christy is going to give me two false news stories and one true news story. I have to guess the true news story. It is two lies and a truth. We know. It's weird. <laughs> anyway. It's going to be great. It's going to be and great. Also, just just settle down. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you just seem really worked up right now. Just calm everyone, down. Just be along for the ride. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Everyone just settle the fuck down. It's going to be fine. <laughs> So, full disclosure, when I was trying to think of the word punching to describe what you were doing, yeah. my first instinct just was to say that you were fisting the air. And immediately <laughs> went, that's not right. That's not quite what you meant. <laughs> I don't think this means what you think it means. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> All right. All right. First headline. Yes. Focaccia fraud. Former colleague reveals Paul Hollywood has been passing off other chefs' recipes as his own. Ooh. Intrigue. Ooh, Paul Hollywood of, of our very favorite Great <laughs> British Baking Show. Yeah. Focaccia fraud? It's a good bake, but uh, it's not his. Is it a stolen bake? Stolen bake. Might be a stolen bake. All right, next All right. headline. Ecstatic Eagles fans went overboard, vandalized the city, stole ostrich from Philadelphia Zoo. I believe that one 100%. That, okay, I if that's not the real one, it might also have just happened. <laughs> like, that could have just happened. <clears throat> that's, I mean, that's the trick of this, is right. coming up with things... You know, that could be real. Did they? Did These they other did, ones could be real. The question is, did they or did they not steal an ostrich? Yeah. All right. That's always the question. Yeah, <laughs> Last one. Yes. After blunder, San Diego adopts safeguards against scooping homeless people into city garbage trucks. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want that again? Yeah, read that one one more time. <laughs> After blunder, San Diego adopts safeguards against scooping homeless people into city garbage trucks. Wow. That could be real. This this is a this is a just a shit show this one. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I'm glad cuz it only took me the past 2 hours to come up with them. I know. In real time. I watched <sighs> you going, "Ah, shit, just one more." <laughs> for like an hour. Yeah. The first two were easy. It took me an hour for the last one. All right. All right, let's hear them all again. Focaccia fraud. Former colleague reveals Paul Hollywood has been passing off other chefs' recipes as his own. Okay. Ecstatic Eagles fans went overboard, vandalized the city, stole ostrich from Philadelphia Zoo. All right. After blunder, San Diego adopts safeguards against scooping homeless people into city garbage trucks. That one's, uh, like, tickling you in a weird way. It is, well, I'm just picturing, like, oh, oh, hey, oh, hold on. Like a guy just getting pulled up in the thing as he wakes up. For me, it's a word, scooping. Yeah, it is. It's like just getting underneath also whatever they're on top of and just picking them up in a big lump. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is a tricky one. I have done my job. You have done your job. I am really okay. So the question for me, really <laughs> though, because I'm leaning towards the second two, and I'm wondering what's more likely: Philadelphia fans stealing an ostrich. Or San Diego scooping up homeless people. But I'm going to give Philadelphia the middle finger on this one and say that's the one that actually happened. Philadelphia and stole an ostrich? Yes. You are incorrect. No! They did not steal an ostrich, but this was a rumor <clears throat> that was going viral in the oh. wake of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and fans uh, vandalizing the city. I First of all, if it didn't happen by then, I'm telling you it's happening right now. <laughs> it's happening it, right now. It seems reasonable that it could have happened <laughs> in the wake of everything. Yeah. The real one. What happened? What is it? The real one is uh, <clears throat> the San Diego adopting safeguards nope. to protect the homeless oh from getting scooped into garbage trucks. No way. Yeah, and apparently this is an issue not just in San Diego. Like, this is a thing that happens. Um, and the reason why it happens is because oftentimes homeless people will be, like, under something. Yeah. You know, in areas maybe near garbage cans and stuff. So sure, it is easy to mistake them and, and not be paying proper attention, I guess. And, yeah. And scoop them up. Just, just scooping them. Now I want to know what these safeguards are. I didn't read the whole article. Yeah, I'm kind of curious too. Like, like what do you? What do you? If you spot a pile of trash, you got to go over and kind of kick it a bit, make sure no <laughs> one goes like, "Oh, stop parking me!" Like, like what's the, what's the way to be sure there's no person in it? Okay, I'm not signing up for the San Diego Tribune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying for my news. I'm not, I'm not paying for this story. Okay, so. After Blunder, San Diego adopts safeguards against scooping homeless people into city garbage trucks. An investigation into how a homeless person was placed into a San Diego trash truck in December has resulted in new roles for cleanup workers and increased training. Mm -hmm. Unspecified punishments were handed down, including the termination last week of a deputy director. And the city still can't say whether the victim was a man or a woman. Oh, my God. Um, San Diego officials have completed an investigation into the near death of a homeless person who was scooped into a city garbage truck by mistake, and they issued new rules to make sure it doesn't happen again. In a two-page memo dated Monday, Environmental Services Director Mario Sierra said a supervisor or designee will now be required on scene at every abatement. Also, code compliance personnel will photograph all transient camps and waste to be collected before, during, and after the cleanups, and appropriate tools will be provided to crews to assist in removing bulky contents from structures before they're placed into trash trucks. The city's abatement process related to homeless encampments must be strengthened, so it seems like they were specifically like doing a cleanup of an yeah. area known to be a homeless camp, and they just didn't do a good enough job of... Being careful and only cleaning up actual garbage and not real human beings, (laughs) which is, you know, horrible and negligent and just seems like 
something definitely that person should have been fired for. See, that's that's, that's a lot different than what I pictured, which <clears> was just me too. A, on the side of the road, a pile of newspapers and a guy with a big sort of dump truck comes in or whatever. Yeah. And, and they, they grab it with a claw. And then a the guy's in there going, let me go. Hey, put me down. Like, that's what I pictured. Yeah. Also, this says city officials have been sweeping the streets of downtown San Diego clean for months. In response to a housing crisis that has seen a surge in the number of homeless people across the region, the practice, which has been criticized by homeless advocates, calls for city work crews to clear block after block of tents, bedding, and other material that homeless people use to protect against the elements. So this is just kind of a really shitty thing. Yeah, right. Overall, like, they're cleaning up these areas where people are staying because they don't have anywhere to live and they're taking their few belongings they have to keep them warm and throwing them away to that sucks clean up the streets you know yeah that's shitty it's uh i know that and gosh i should really hey do... you know how to prevent you know, your people from throwing human beings away like garbage <laughs> leave their fucking shit alone yeah right yeah, Find I, them jobs or better places uh, to live and actually help them, and maybe you won't have that problem. I know Akron has this really sort of interesting arrangement going on that I need to research better. <clears throat> but they basically have, like, a functional tent city of, mm. like, homeless people in a designated area with, like, their... They've got, like, all their stuff set up. They have assistance going on regularly from, like, rescue missions and things like that. But basically, it's like a little self-policing city within a city. Hmm. Which is wild to me. Maybe we can do an episode on stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, just like an episode on the reality of being homeless in America is like probably A, incredibly heavy, and B, it a would wealth be heavy. of information that people are unaware of. It would be heavy. It would be um, educational. Yeah, I think so. I think so. it would be interesting, so we can put that on the list. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. Well, you stumped me. You stumped me a good one. I done done it. You done had did done it. So got me a got me good. I got a gabagoo. You got my goo. <laughs> a gabagoo. I have a little middle segment. Okay, what do you got? What what you got going on? Well, first I want to ask you something. Okay. Do you know why Bluetooth is called Bluetooth? I actually do. Oh damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I actually do, but. I will not. I will not spoil this for you if you want to talk about it because I think it's all. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, this is a little etymology corner. Yeah, uh, I found out about this uh, not this week when I was doing research to find something for the news quiz, but I think last week or the last time I did it, and I put it in my notes to use in the future and decided it just wasn't really like. News quiz material. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't use it, because you know. Right. Apparently. Um, but I thought it was interesting to discuss. So basically, what it comes down to is uh, there are claims that the term Bluetooth is... It comes from the name of, like, a Viking king, mm -hmm. I thought a king. I thought it was a king of Denmark, but I might have that wrong. Let me follow this link. Okay. <laughs> and not remove the link, because I often 
click remove the link instead of follow the link. That's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. I know. And <laughs> they put them right next to each other, and I've got shitty fingers. <laughs> do the wrong things. All right. All right. Let me take a look here. It says Viking King, who okay. ruled during the 10th century and is credited with originally uniting Scandinavia. So, um, Jim Kardach, 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 K-A-R-D-A-C-H, was uh, instrumental in bringing together Ericsson, IBM, Intel, Nokia, and Toshiba to form the Bluetooth SIG in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically came together to develop the standard of Bluetooth. Now, Gosh, individually, these, yeah. That's a long-ass time well, ago. Yeah, and individually, these companies were kind of trying to come up with this thing on their own. Yeah. And maybe having some, like, mild successes, but they realized if, if we make this universal, it's going to be a lot more helpful yeah. to everyone, so let's come together and come up with a plan and figure something out. Yeah. Anytime you um, make a standard and you make stuff <clears throat> work with each other, people are more likely to buy it. Yeah. Um, so... He came, Kardach says he came up with this idea during, he was out with colleague Sven Madison, and they were unsuccessfully pitching tech companies on this, you know, proposed product. Yeah. But he and Sven would just, like, kind of bullshit, and Sven wasn't that into history. Kardach is into, like, super into history. Mm -hmm. But Sven told him this one story from history that he knew, which was about Viking uh, Bluetooth. Yeah. And later, Kardash had ordered a book. Like So a couple weeks later, he had ordered this history book, and it just so happened there was a story about Bluetooth in that book. Yeah. And so he recognizes him and goes, oh, hey, Sven told me about him, and starts reading and realizes that um, King Harold Bluetooth is known for uniting Scandinavia. Yeah. And since this whole project <coughs> was about uniting these companies and coming together and making one product to help everybody. Yeah, like a single um, shortwave wireless standard that yeah. everyone could get behind. Yeah, he, he decided to go with Bluetooth as the working name. Uh, and then it just stuck. Yeah. I just thought it was cool. I can't it's actually remember named after a Viking. Some there is a reason this tooth was blue. I think he actually it's like an infection or something like that. Like had a dead tooth that looked kind of oh, bluish. Yep. Uh, as you said that, yeah. it <laughs> came across this sentence. It is thought that his nickname was Blatand, Blaton in Old Norse, meaning blue tooth, because he had a dead tooth that had turned bluish. <laughs> um, and the Bluetooth was intended to just be a working title for the product. But the alternatives were forgettable and in at least one case cringe-inducing. I'm going <laughs> to click on that and see what that means. Yeah, what did Bluetooth almost get called? Because I would love to know what that is. Okay. I love the failure stories. You know, the stuff yeah. that people didn't go with. A little, like, apocryphal details of what could have been. <clears throat> I have to get through this whole article. 
uh, while da, you do, da, 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 why don't yeah, we talk about other things? Was blue. Was a blue, blue is a nice <laughs> common color, don't you think I do? I love when we do the research on the show. Yeah, <laughs> super exciting in real time. Um, Cringe-inducing, oh, though, that's something else. Okay, so this took me to a link for an article that is a synopsis for the article I just read and <laughs> oh no you've broken the internet time continuum oh no you're now stuck outside internet time never to return oh okay okay here it is alright marketing group they're coming up with names yeah one of them was flirt with the catchphrase, getting close, but not touching. <laughs> this sentence right after that is, the naming process would continue for a long time. Yeah, you know, naming something is really hard. Especially Espe when, when you're pitching. trademarks and all that, when there's yeah. like legal rights to words, you have to be really careful. And when you're considering what, you, what the product does, what you want people to know about it, yeah. Like, Bluetooth doesn't mean... That doesn't mean anything to most people. Which is the genius and strength of it. Right. It's new to most people. It's novel. It sticks in their heads. It doesn't associate to anything else. I feel like what you would need out of a name for a product would be one of two things. You either want something that's instantly recognizable, yet yeah. unique enough that it describes your product without infringing on anyone else's copyrights or being confusing or difficult to search because too many results come up. Right. Those are all concerns, I think. Secondly, another way you could go, which is the way they went, is something that has a meaning. It's not really that important that other people get it. Yeah. But it becomes identifiable and That's it. it takes on the meaning of what your product is. That's it. That's it. That's what was that face you just gave me? I was me. making the... Does it? Does it? <laughs> Sorry, I was making the... Does it? Face. <laughs> Got it. Um, see, uh, all that matters is brand identity, I think, <laughs> in stuff like this. Like, you make a new... A thing that feels new and unique, and that people just associate it with you. Yeah. Um, alt alternately, in 2018, what you can do is just take a word that has an E-R at the end of it and just take the E out. And just make it have mm -hmm. a hard R at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Grinder. Grinder. Tinder. Well, Tinder has the E. Shh. Tumblr. Blender. Blender? What's Blender? I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> well, it should be. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make something and give it that name mm -hmm. by next week. Blunder. 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 Yeah, but that's like that's all anyone does anymore is they just take the E out. That's a, that's a thing now. Hey, let's pitch my new app called Spinster. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, what is it? It's just a collection of tea 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 recipes. Women who just share cats. pictures of each other's cats. <laughs> Come join Spinster. Spinster. This episode sponsored by Spinster. <laughs> it's not an app yet. But by God, it will be. And when it is, they're gonna they're gonna give us money to talk about Spinster. Gosh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Sponsored by the most depressing smartphone app you can get. Hey, as long as they pay me, I don't care. 
Money, 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 you know money. It's not, it's not depressing. It's fine. Ah, it's fine. Some people like cats and tea. You know, I feel like most people probably wouldn't proudly be like, yeah, I'm a spinster. That's that, cool. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know it's easy to miss, but that right there. That's where it was. Got a fun little history lesson there, though, about blue teeth. Yeah. And also about general dentistry. Yeah, and don't let your teeth die. Yeah, take care of your tooths. And sometimes you chip them on a piece of pizza, and you have to have an expensive procedure done to get a new fake tooth put in. Yeah, or you're like a Viking king, and you catch an axe to the face, and it kills one of your teeth. But then you're fine, basically. One of these is more exciting than the other, and I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's the pizza. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's the pizza. I'm pretty sure it was that shitty slice of pizza. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't even good pizza. By the way, your robo-tooth still looking good. It's still kicking. Yeah, looking nice. No robo-tooth. It's not really a robo-tooth anymore. It looks like a real tooth now. Yeah, but it's still, you know, it's got metal inside it. Yeah. Just like me. And a tracking chip that locates where you are at all times. Mm-hmm. The federal Reports government. back to the mothership. Yeah, you know. So, <clears throat> win-win. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. At least when I want to get the chip out, I know exactly what to remove. Yeah, I don't right. have to dig into my arm. Yeah. You know, what, what, was, what was that? Uh, that's a thing, right? Someone digging a chip out of them? I, I think it's a trope. It's been used a lot. Yeah, it probably is just a, a general trope. Yeah, mm. general trope. Yet again, another visual gag. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the best jokes are the ones they don't get because they can't see them happening. Yep. Um, Let's do a podcast of just visual gags. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's called You Can't See This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and most of it's dead air. <laughs> Just us going, whoa, I can't believe he did that, whoa. (laughs) It's just Pratt Falls. (laughs) Pratt Falls on audio. It's Pratt Falls and uh, silent movies. And occasionally like slappities, like like weird slappity sound effects. Oh my god, are you talking about body rap? Uh, about it? <laughs> oh my god, I can't do it. We can't do it. Oh my god. It's that, too my good. favorite thing from Professor Blastoff. And I'm still mad that Stitcher took it and put it behind a paywall or whoever yeah. has it. Professor Blastoff, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. <clears throat> Featuring <laughs> many times Kyle's Kyle Dunnigan's body rap. It's it just, just YouTube it. Please just YouTube body rap. Body rap. By Kyle uh, Dunnigan. Kyle Dunnigan or Professor Blastoff. It's so good. It's, it's just perfect. It's kind we, of life changing. I don't even want to imitate it. It's just, <laughs> just watch it. Yeah, right. I I refuse to commit my shitty impression to yeah. audio. Yeah. Um, he any... can't even come close. His body rap is just so good. Yeah, right. Every single sound comes from his body. Yeah, keep that in mind. That's what this is all about, guys. There's no, Every sound. There's no instruments. There's no speakers. You're going to be blown away. Every sound. From his body. Now you're going to think that maybe there are some instruments. <laughs> but it's not. It's but not. it's not. It's all it's, from his body. It's just his body. I think <laughs> we're heading towards a little breaky break. Time to take a little break. When we come back, we will do the main segment <clears throat> for this episode. So please stick around. Amy. 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 
and welcome back. And we're back. <clears throat> welcome back. Oh, are we making noises into the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking. I'm, I know I bumped the volume knob like an idiot over there, so I'm just watching oh, okay. uh, how horrible this well, might sound. Well, I told you not to get into a slap fight with the mixer. Well, it you was looking to be listened. funny. It doesn't have eyes. It doesn't even have googly eyes. Right there. I really do miss. I, I can't see where you're pointing. Two mean little red light eyes. Oh. Looking at fuck. me all the time. Judging me. <laughs> and I don't like it. Maybe we need to take the um, technical the, stuff away from you. Okay, I'll just cover it with duct tape or something. Mm. It's fine. Yeah. Throw it's a only, blanket it's over only, it. It's only like a $150 mixer. I'll just yeah, cover it fine. in duct tape. Cover it in gunk. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I missed the <clears throat> microphone that had the googly eyes. Yeah, he's right over here. I know. He's actually but I, looking at you right he now. He is looking at me, that's true. <laughs> Whenever I get a little sad, I'll just look over there at him. Yeah, our Blue Yeti microphone from our older recording setup that has googly eyes <laughs> on it, because why not? I miss it. It's cute. We could put little googly eyes on all the pop screens. We can and we should. We should surprise the dudes. Yeah, in between today oh, and Chris, Dudecast. Oh, Chris, wait, don't on, listen to this. Yeah, Chris, don't listen to this. You didn't hear this. Just pretend to be surprised when everything has googly <laughs> eyes all over it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, Did I ever tell you about the snowmen and how I couldn't eat my breakfast in peace? What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? So when I was growing up, my mom had this obsession with snowmen. She's grown out of it. She's not as into them as she once was. But it's like me and the lawn gnomes. People find out you like something and then you just get gifted a bunch of them. And she bought a bunch herself. So she had a bajillion snowmen. Right. So some of them she kept up year round. But uh, over the holidays. Yeah. There would be even more. And she would set several plush snowmen on, like, the window, like, above the curtains, facing in, <clears throat> in the kitchen. And so I'd be at the kitchen table, eating breakfast, looking up at, like, five snowmen who were all <laughs> positioned to be looking at me with their beady little eyes. Wait, and hold I, on. Were they all angled towards they're all, one? Yeah, they're all like facing in. <laughs> and I complained about this to my mom one time. I'm like, they're looking at me. Why aren't they all facing in? What are you doing? Why did you have to point them all at so a focal weird. point? <laughs> like, why are they all doing that? Oh, it was really funny. It's pretty creepy. We still joke about that. <laughs> she put a snowman up this year and she was like, it's not looking at you though. <laughs> <laughs> When did this happen, the initial snowman incident? It was probably in high school. Okay, so all these years later, when she gets a snowman, she has to grab you and go, listen, he's not looking at you. Oh, no, she had him, like, facing a different direction. And so I was like, again, with the snowman. And she's like, it's not looking at you. (laughs) Again, with the snowman? Again, with the snowman. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. Uh, Well, okay, so our main topic for this episode... I don't know if you would like to introduce it or you would like me to. You can do it. I do it. Okay, so the the initial topic of this episode 
was just to look into the the uh, a phenomenon known as the Benjamin Bathurst disappearance. Thank you, Jen. That's Thank one you, of Jen. her original suggestions. Yes, and actually a very cool topic, but one that ended up kind of running a little short because, you know, there's just not that much information on the disappearance itself. So The kind of thing with mysteries is you don't always have a whole lot of information on them. Right. You end up with the facts, and then you end up with a lot of speculation, (laughs) but really, if you're, you you know, you can really only talk about that for so long. So what I wanted to do was add one additional disappearance, which I'll talk about later. One of my favorite ones. Ooh. So this is like... favorite disappearance. Spoiler alert, it's the disappearance of me. It hasn't happened yet, but he's orchestrating it as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) No. Of course not, girlfriend. I couldn't do this podcast alone. Mm, that's true. Um, but then you would just use the Christy robot. That is why we are testing it out to see if its features will replicate me perfectly. Ha ha ha. I make ha, a ha. great host. I am a great host, human. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. So weird. I am a real person. I am a real person. I am a real person. Ugh. It's, you know what, the unblinking eye contact you make with me when oh, you yeah, do that? Oh, yeah, I can't blink when I do that. <laughs> That's a big part of why it's so weird. <laughs> um, so, let me start with a little introduction here, uh, which is to say, obviously, we enjoy a lot of true crime stories here. We, we mm-hmm. you know, we, we just went to see My Favorite Murder, which was a great experience. It was great. Uh, a live podcast taping. Oh, we didn't even talk about that, did we? No, we didn't. We talked about it last well, night on the Dude Cast. Yeah, we don't have to. No, we don't. It, just, it was a good show. We enjoyed ourselves. If you like true crime, you might like My Favorite Murder. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, and we had a good time seeing them. We like true crime. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, I think, well, I'll just skip a little bit ahead to say that, you know, for all the awful things that can happen to someone, and we've, you know, sort of absorbed ourselves in a lot of those things through true crime, I think... Mm-hmm. Definitely murder, I think, is possibly not the worst thing that can happen to you. And I would argue no. that being vanished is worse than just than just being murdered and left somewhere. I would argue that being erased and yeah. never found again is so much more terrifying. I would say it's worse for families than yeah. someone being murdered. I mean, not to say... We're talking about on a scale of really horribly atrocious thing and then also really horrible atrocious thing not you know right, yeah this these all both of these things are not good right but there's no closure in the sense of like someone vanishing or disappearing going missing yeah um there's no closure the family doesn't know like just that feeling of not knowing and that feeling of hope and also like when to give it up yeah, would just destroy you. It would destroy me. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think it's one of the worst things that can happen to you is to just mm-hmm. never be found. And yeah. so you know, in 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 you know, in saying that, uh, now it's time to talk about one of the most uh, note noteworthy or famous disappearances, unexplained disappearances, which is that of Benjamin Bathurst, right? Yeah, Benjamin Buttonhurst. <laughs> Benjamin Buttonhurst. Um, so let me talk a little bit about who he is. He is a diplomatic envoy for England during the Napoleonic Wars, 
right? Were you okay? What are you doing? <laughs> trying to eat a peanut away from the microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. You're trying to stay out of the microphone range, but what you're doing is leaning really weird and staring at me. <laughs> Making eye contact so you know I'm listening. It's even the face you're making. It's... I was trying to chew quietly. <laughs> yeah, but you, you look like the way the dog looks at me out of the corner of his eye when he knows he's done something. You're like leaning <laughs> and staring. I was trying to inconspicuously eat peanuts. That was the most conspicuous thing you could have possibly done. <laughs> oh, you guys really missed it. <laughs> Um, oh man, that, that'd be great. Telling you psych that, gags. That'd be great for our psych gags podcast. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't wait till we start that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so basically, I didn't know a lot about the Napoleonic Wars before I started <clears throat> looking into this, right? I know they're Napoleonic. Uh, Napoleon is involved. Um, <laughs> basically, he was possibly there for at least part of it. He was, he was what it was. Um, mm. All of Europe... Everyone for, fighting over Napoleon. Basically, like, all of Europe is constantly trying to fight Napoleon during this time. It's I wrote that this is Europe over and over again going, Napoleon, come on now, settle down, just let us beat you already. But it um, doesn't go that way. I like to think that they were fighting over Napoleon. <coughs> like, everyone just wanted a little piece of Napoleon. Nope. Mm? Not no. at all. Oh, well... Fuck me. Uh, multiple coalitions, <laughs> multiple coalitions are arrived at to try and, uh, you know, defeat the French. But Napoleon is just so goddamn good. Uh, it's, it's you know, team after team after team of countries cannot take oh. Napoleon out of power. In fact, I didn't know this. He was such a badass. They had to exile him twice. Oh, yeah. Twice. So nice they exiled him twice. I don't know if you realize that. I always I remember hearing Napoleon was exiled and that was the end of that. He was exiled and then got back a year later and was like the leader of France again. <laughs> He's like, Oh no, you you forgot. No, you didn't exile me. They shipped him away to an island and he got back and was like, I'm still the president. <laughs> like that's basically <laughs> how it worked. It's me. Um but uh basically uh, Benjamin Bathurst, his mission, and this is, you know, sort of at the beginning of 1809. Should he choose to accept it? And he did. Was to con- uh, convince the Holy Roman Emperor Francis II of Germany, which is a very confusing title that means King of Germany, not Rome or Italy or anything about Rome. Mm-hmm. The Holy Roman Emperor Francis II of Germany. Uh, Benjamin Bathurst successfully convinces him to join the the cause to declare war on Napoleon. Okay. It doesn't seem very hard to do because it seems like everyone hated Napoleon anyway. Right. But of course, you know, convincing people to go to war is not often necessarily easy. But basically in July... Now we just do it on Twitter. Right, yeah. Now we're all at war all the time. (laughs) Um, In July of 1809, um, Francis II decides to declare war and Benjamin Bathurst is recalled back to England. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so basically, that's July. Go to November. He's on his way back to England in his fancy jacket, his fancy winter jacket. He's going with the pseudonym Baron de Koch, which is, of course, German for the Baron of Cock, I wrote. Um, <laughs> uh, and his courier, a man named Mr. Kraus. Um, Mr. Kraus. Mr. Kraus, who also has a pseudonym that I can't remember. He goes by his, uh, like, like Pip or like some cute little <laughs> pseudonym. I can't remember what it is. Um, 
I feel like there's a character in the book Neverwhere with a name similar to that. Similar to Kraus. I don't know. I can't remember it right now. It's escaping me, but I just am imposing that character who's like creepy and not good onto this guy who doesn't deserve it. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. He's I'm, just I'm he's just gonna he's, call him Pip then. He's couriering this man, you know, from Germany <clears throat> now back to England during a kind of a dangerous time. And did everyone you know, have pseudonyms? No, but they're diplomats. They don't want to be, you know, spotted for who oh, they okay. are. You know that what I mean? makes sense. Um uh it's the winter of eighteen oh nine, so you gotta have a fancy jacket, I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um and they passed through a town called Perleberg, which is to the west of Berlin. Um, so <clears throat> I'm not great with my German geography. I don't know how good you are with mm, it. I'm pretty good. I know that Perleberg is pretty close to Nidaberg. Because mm. you, you knit one and then you purl one. Oh my God. <laughs> you throw down knitting jokes on me while I'm trying to tell my fancy story? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. It was a fancy winter jacket. Clearly <laughs> it was knitted. Um. I don't know what it was made of. Uh, it probably wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, um, Berlin is way up to the northeast of Germany, which from where you're sitting is over there. Side gag. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, basically, this is about as far from France as you can be traveling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Through Germany. So th- th- their idea was that this was the a, a safe way to travel as far from France as possible. Avoid encountering people that don't want to encounter and all that. Um, France is like hundreds of miles away. Um, and while they're moving through Perleberg, they stop at an inn called the White Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> just a little, little, you know, unremarkable inn, as I understand it. And they grab an early dinner, which in my head is like three o'clock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They didn't say what time. So in my head, it's like three o'clock okay um and they 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 have dinner and then benjamin moves off to a little room set aside for him in the side of the inn and he writes for a while and mr kraus is doing whatever he's like around it doesn't say what he was doing benjamin writes fan fiction right yeah (laughs) benjamin writes like founding fathers slash fiction (laughs) where it's like all the like jefferson has like a lewd affair with Washington maybe um that's that's pretty sexy stuff not just a normal affair it's a lewd affair no yeah it's like it's fucked up (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Um, I like this uh but anyway uh around 9 p.m Sometime later, the horses are harnessed to the carriage, and uh, Bathurst is summoned, you know, to you know, to, to to his carriage, and he walks out of the inn. He goes around the front of the horses to the other side of the carriage. Mm-hmm. Um, right behind him, Krause is <clears throat> just seconds behind him. Goes around the horses. Bathurst is gone. We're hmm. talking like seconds behind him. Goes around, doesn't see him. He's lost him. Hmm. Um, I wrote poof into thin air. Poof. 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 Um, so. That just made me really sad. It is kind of sad, isn't it? Is it is sad. Your, your traveling companion goes to follow you to help you into the carriage and just you're gone. One, one moment, you're there. 
You there? One You're moment. You there? Another. Oof. Another. Another sight gag. <laughs> <laughs> another sight. We got a lot of good sight gags on this. Yeah, episode. I mean, I really think we're upping our sight gag <clears throat> game. I hope you guys like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is for us. Fuck it. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's true. But I wrote uh, the idea of him completely vanishing is not entirely true. Um, there's. The, the disappearance and the way it was reported are more than likely responsible for the legendary status that this event has been given. Okay. Well, right. you know, once again, the media fucking everything up. <laughs> the, the media <laughs> not doing its job. This is what we call clickbait before <laughs> there was anything to click. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote to hear this told like this, it sounds impossible and like magic, and you have the stage set in your head, it seems impossible, but if you a little bit of, uh, if you allow a little leeway or margin for error in the reporting, actually you end up with a pretty simple sounding explanation. And some later facts discovered will start to establish what probably happened. Okay. So even though this still technically qualifies as an unexplained uh, vanishing incident, yeah. <clears throat> there's some very plausible explanations. So, <clears throat> for example, while it is reported that his body is never found, uh, some good clues exist. The fancy coat that I went all the way out of my way to mention so that you would know it was there mm -hmm. uh, was found in an outhouse of a nearby home. Oh no, uh, he was... pooed himself to death. <laughs> That's it. He went in, he crawled in the... the. He pooed himself right out of his coat. Yep. He liquefied, leaving only a coat behind. Mm. Um, yeah, so he was found in the outhouse of a family home by the name of Schmidt, nearby. Mm -hmm. uh, his pants were found in the woods three miles to the north. I want you to say they were found in another outhouse of another family. <laughs> they were found in the next outhouse over... <laughs> <laughs> and his socks? Yet another outhouse. Yet another outhouse. So he went mm. outhouse to outhouse getting naked. <laughs> um, no, that didn't happen. Uh, a few old women scavenging in the woods found his pants, like I said, about uh, three miles <laughs> oh, yeah. away. Part of those, you know, three women, three old women <laughs> you know, scavenging old, teams they used to Old women out. be digging in the woods, <laughs> like they always say. It's true. Um, that's, that's what <clears throat> I'm going to do when I grow up. And... As for the Schmitz, how about this? <laughs> the stableman on duty that evening was none other than one August Schmidt. <gasps> it, should this be of importance to me? I, I wrote gasp. So I have to, yeah. <laughs> no, but the, Sch the Schmidt outhouse and the stableman on duty that day was August Schmidt. Oh, I just kind of assumed that it was the Schmidt outhouse is named after the Schmidts, and he was one of the Schmidts. Yeah, he is. And he was working at the inn. Oh, the oh. stableman at the inn. Yeah, the guy, one of the stablemen. I thought the Schmidts outhouse had its own stableman. I'm not really good with knowing these kinds of things from this time. Uh, stable Stablemen <laughs> don't uh, service an outhouse, I will say that. Well, I guess I was not really understanding what a stableman was, but now I understand that it's right. the horse stables. Unless like, it's a horse outhouse, in which case they do. Mm, yeah. 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 Those a exist. a lot of horse shit. It's a really big box with a moon it's, on the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, 
despite a bounty that was out for information <clears throat> on this, most of the information that they were able to gather at the time was basically either unverifiable or outright false. Um, the there, A lot of people in town were eager to get a piece of the reward, so what they ended up with was a bunch of, like, junk reporting mm-hmm. on the matter, right? Um, a lot of fake news. Even trained dogs could not find any sign of his body. They dragged a river. They had dogs looking for him. They had tons of people looking all over the town for him. They could not find anything out. Hmm. Um, now, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. Remember I said his body was never found? Mm-hmm. That's maybe true. Maybe not. I'm about, uh-huh. to, about to psych you out a bit here because a body, a body <laughs> was found 43 years later on a property in the outhouse (laughs) in a fourth outhouse (laughs) a horse outhouse Um, (laughs) a fourth horse outhouse uh, (laughs) uh, it was found in in a house 300 paces away from the white swan okay so Unless a whole lot of people get murdered and dumped around here, it's very likely it could be him. Um, so the the body had a fracture in the skull, suggesting blunt trauma. Mm-hmm. It had a missing tooth that appeared to have been deliberately extracted. Um, okay. The house was purchased, again, This the events of Benjamin Bathurst's disappearance happened in 1809. Mm-hmm. This house was purchased in 1834, from a man named Christian Mertens, who was a server at the White Swan during the events of 1809. <gasps> Double gasp! Double gasp. Right. Hmm, something is afoot. Something does seem to be afoot. It so smells something foul. Cope. <laughs> and the it's not them outhouses. Hats. It's not them fourth horse. <laughs> it's not that fourth horse outhouse, <laughs> but it is the fifth man outhouse. Oh no, the fifth man. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, so, again, to recap, Coat found in an outhouse at a home where someone who worked at the White Swan lived. Mm-hmm. Body found 300 paces away from the White Swan at a house where someone else who worked there lived. So we... <laughs> <laughs> now that was a little... Audio gag. That was for just you. an audio gag. <laughs> um, so if you think about that, let's say you're, you know, Mister Schmidt, August Schmidt. The guy comes around the horses. You knock him out. You drag him three hundred yards or three hundred paces away to where someone you know lives, and go. I gotta, you gotta let me in here. And you take the body in, and then whatever happens, you have co-conspirators. You get a fancy jacket out of the deal. For a second, I thought you were gonna say you have coke. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens, you had Coke. I don't I mean, think they had Coke. Who knows? Maybe they might they had have coke. had some Coke. We don't really know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, the most likely scenario is, as it seems, he was snatched, dragged 300 yards away, uh, beaten mm-hmm. on the head. They took his coat, whatever else he had. They buried him in the floor. But basically, that doesn't stop some very wild stories and ideas from having been created around Benjamin Bathurst. Yeah, I also, like, I'm still sad because I'm just like, why? Yeah, that's a great why? question. Why? That's why a very good question. Murder? I mean, he does, he's, again, he's traveling under a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. The only thing about him that would probably seem especially significant is that he's got a nice coat. 
It's the yeah. only detail that makes him essentially stand out, other than the fact that he's writing a bunch. Maybe, maybe he was important. recognized by his face, though. Like, maybe the person actually knew him or Seems had been unlikely. following him. He's, he's in a small town on the way from Berlin to, uh, I, I think, Hamburg. There was no social media. Yeah. Um, Very unlikely anyone knew who he was, other than maybe he's rich, maybe he's important. Or maybe it was one of those wrong place, wrong time things. Maybe he stumbled onto the stableman doing something he shouldn't be doing, or... Yeah. Or maybe the stable man was trying to <coughs> mug him because he had a nice coat. Right. And trying to get some money. Uh, I think this is, and this is one of the reasons that I decided we needed to look at another <clears throat> disappearance to, to have a fuller episode is there's so much we don't know. Yeah. Probably Were you going to talk know. about some of the wild stories there, surrounding I will, it? I will talk briefly about the fact that he, basically he has been a regular feature or subject of interest for sci-fi and fantasy as regards to his disappearance, something mm-hmm. I did not know. Um, oh, yeah, abduction stories, right? Stuff like that. Um, there's at least a half dozen fictional explanations for his disappearance, you know, in the way of stories and all that. My favorite one that I picked out of the list was something called Masters of the Maze by Avram Davidson, which is a story in which Benjamin Bathurst is one of a few humans who managed to crack the center of a fourth-dimensional space-time maze somehow. And so when he disappears, he's actually moved to some new reality, which he spends all of time in company with the other people throughout history who have solved (laughs) the maze, who include um, Enoch from the Bible, Mm -hmm. and Apollonius of Tiana, and a few others, the Chinese king, um, just the few, like, the few living beings that have ever solved this maze puzzle, (laughs) and he jumps to another reality for having solved it. I thought that was a really interesting, weird idea. It's interesting. I'd read that. It sounds cool. Um, But there's more. There's tons more stories. There's a lot written about him. Like I said, at least a half a dozen like fictional stories about what might have really happened. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that, yeah, all right. Mm. <laughs> I'm she- just very sheepy. Sheepy? I'm feeling sheepy. Feeling sheepy. I have a shirt on that says feeling sheepy. <laughs> no longer a sight gag. It's not a sight gag because I've explained it to you. <laughs> um, but it's a sheep and it has a little... Um, mask on, like a little sleep mask, and it's holding a little banner that says "Feeling Sheepy." It's a way to be a sheepy. It's a good old sheepy. So that's what I have on Benjamin Bathurst, but I wanted to move on and talk about another famous disappearance, which I think is such a cool story. And if anybody doesn't know about it, they need to. I was gonna say, is it one I know? You probably, you almost definitely do. You almost definitely know a little bit at <clears> least. <throat> All right. But I have, I did a pretty decent amount of research on this one. Mm-hmm. This is the story of D.B. Cooper. Oh, oh, yes. I know about <laughs> D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper is so fucking cool. Oh, it's such a good story. I am here for this. <laughs> um, so this is basically a story of a hijacking and an escape by someone known as D.B. Cooper. This story is legendary, not just for its extraordinary events, but for the fact that a man seems to have appeared and vanished within a span of hours, never to be seen again. This guy shows up, a whole bunch of crazy shit happens, and basically eight hours later, he's gone, and we never hear from him again. 
can you eat chewing peanuts? Trying to eat more peanuts. I'm sorry. No, it's sorry. It doesn't matter. It's your lean away is by far the strangest part of this. <laughs> you know, talk so they don't hear my peanuts. <clears throat> so, in case anybody does not know the story of D.B. Cooper, allow me to give you the short version. Very short version. Well, no, I guess it's actually kind of a long version. It's. There's, it, I started out <laughs> saying no the short real... version. There's no real short version because it's just too interesting. Yeah, you can't tell a short version. I'm trying That's what to remember how I heard about this. It's it's such a popular story. I feel like I might have been listening to another podcast that they mentioned it, and then I went down the rabbit hole and like researched it. Yeah, and read this story, but I forget what made me go looking after it. But yeah, ah, I'm so excited. DB Cooper is cool. So, so here's what happens. Basically, on the Thanksgiving Eve of 1971, a <laughs> sharp dressed man buys a plane ticket using Every the name... girl's crazy, man, a sharp dress, man. I knew you were going to do it. Um, Couldn't be helped. A, he buys a plane ticket using the name Dan Cooper, and then in the air between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington, he lights a smoke, orders a bourbon, and hands a note to the stewardess. And she just kind of drops it in her purse without reading, and he says, he grabs her and says, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. So this is how this kicks off. He called her Miss, though. He very did. polite. Very polite. Actually, there's no indication that he was ever anything less than polite, which it's is really kind of compelling. Every version of this I've ever read, <clears throat> everyone who interacted with him yeah. said he was very polite. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And no reason to believe he was. He wanted to do anything. Yeah. Like, not necessarily a, a guy that had violence in mind, just right. wanted to do the thing that I'm about to explain to you here. As yeah. methodically as possible. <clears throat> um, so he asks her to sit down next to him and he presents his open briefcase. It's full of red cylinders wired to a battery. And he tells her that he needs $200,000 for parachutes and a fuel truck to refuel the plane they're on when they land in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> through a series of, you know, transmissions from the plane and negotiations and all this when they land exactly this happens um they you know they refuel the plane it takes a couple of attempts which makes them kind of suspicious they get him four parachutes the crew stays on the plane and he allows all the passengers to leave mm-hmm. um this is four and a half hours after they took off from portland which it's only supposed <laughs> to be a half an hour flight so an additional three and a half hours of you know, refueling the plane, talking, negotiating, bringing money on board, all this stuff, letting the passengers leave. Mm-hmm. And they take off again on a heading for Mexico City at maximum altitude. Um, unbeknownst to D.B. Cooper, or, or uh, I'm not sure if the pilots know this. They might. They might not. Uh, they're being tailed by fighter planes mm-hmm. at this time. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, Cooper insists that the entire crew all go into the cockpit and stay there. At this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and around 35 minutes after that, they the crew notices sort of like a lift of the tail and a drop in cabin pressure. And when they go out to investigate, the aft door is open. And after they land in Reno, a search confirms Cooper's gone. So they're pretty sure he leaves at this point, but they, they, you know, they land, they search, they can't find him. He almost definitely jumped out at this point. Mm-hmm. Um with his money, of course. Um, <clears throat> so, after this, an investigation all over the plane takes place. They look for fingerprints. They yield no matches. 
Uh, they do interrogate a man on the ground. On the ground. We're all on the ground. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they interrogate a man named D.B. Cooper from Oregon, but they find he's not involved. It's just a another... D.B. Cooper. Right. And that's the thing is, again, D.B. Cooper that we that we think of bought a ticket as Dan Cooper, not D.B. Cooper. But now because of that guy that they investigated whose name mm-hmm. was D.B. Cooper, now we all think of, of this as D.B. Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. The guy never called himself D.B. Cooper. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'll be Dip. Right? Well, I'll be D.B. Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, anyway, investigators tried a lot of things to try to identify where he might have landed. They recreated the flight, and they dropped a 200-pound object out the door at the exact time into the flight that the crew noticed the, the change in the plane. They determined that he would have landed somewhere south of Mount St. Helens. And so the FBI and local sheriffs combed the area and they didn't find a damn thing. <coughs> um, <clears throat> so here's where, here's where it gets a little bit more interesting to me. The serial numbers of the bills that were granted to D.B. Cooper were released as public information with the hope that somebody would be able to you know, find that he had spent the money somewhere. That yeah, could... like, if he survived and spent the money, they'd be able to track it, hopefully. Right. The conclusion that many make at this time is that the money never made it, because the money never turns up again. Um, you know, the thought is maybe D.B. Cooper didn't make it either. But then, in 1978, in a, a east of Castle Rock, Washington, which is within the basic pl- path of the plane... A note with instructions for lowering the aft stairs of a 727 is found by a river, and several bills in various states of disintegration and rot wrapped in bands that have the same serial numbers. Ooh, where was that? This is a river uh, in Castle Rock, east of Castle Rock, Washington. Now, in relation to where they thought he would have been. Do you I, know where it's at? I actually don't know. I don't know how close that is to where they expected to find it. But basically, it's consistent with the path of the plane. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether it was where they thought he might be, it's yeah. still a possibility based on where it was. Um, this The finding of these bills creates even more mysteries. Uh, such as, you know, for example, some of the bills were missing from one of the bundles. Mm-hmm. So, the question would be why? Why are just some bills missing? Did someone actually take them? Did DB Cooper take them and and leave the rest of the money? That seems weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did someone stumble upon it? Take some of it? Didn't want to take too much and be suspicious, but right. was like, well, I I need some smokes. Yeah, or for Let that me matter, take a twenty. Does D.B. Cooper land but realize he can never spend this money because it's all of got cereal? Of course they're tracking it. Yeah, so maybe he just takes a couple bills, crosses his fingers, and heads out. Um, <laughs> Seems like <clears throat> an elaborate scam to not be able to spend any yeah, money. to not take the money. Like, that seems crazy and most likely not true. Um yeah, I wrote, it's possible someone found the money and just helped themselves. It's it's possible that, no, oh, I wrote, I said that already. So, um, there's, I, I wrote, there's so much discussion 
of his plan and all the little things about the way that he did what he did and mm-hmm. why they were important or possibly important. I mean, this is this is a piece of legend. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I remember reading about this in detail, but it was long enough ago that I don't remember all of it. But I know at one point I knew a lot of details. Yeah. <laughs> right. And but I, like right down to like what he was wearing, the way he was wearing it, the way he looked at people, like yeah, everything's been analyzed in this. I left a lot of this out. And honestly, if you're listening to this and you're interested, just this is a fun go personal read the goose story. chase. It's so cool. Looking into D.B. Cooper just goes and goes and goes. It's a, it's like an investigation topic that keeps giving. Mm-hmm. Um. I wrote that people have analyzed everything from the choice of four parachutes to to what he was wearing. For example, the four parachutes create the impression that he was going to force the hostages, the air crew, to jump. Mm. And by doing that, he ensured that they didn't give him any dummy parachutes. Mm. That's that's clever. Right? If you ask for just one parachute, maybe they're not going to give you that great a parachute. But if you ask for four... They go, oh, God, well, he's going to make the crew jump, so they better all be good parachutes. Yeah. Um, and also makes them feel better about being in another room from him because they assume he's taking them with him. Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, at the very least, it, it implies... And not that they not, had a choice, It implies but, he's not going to kill them or something like that. Yeah, and they didn't expect him to just go on his own because they're under the assumption he's taking them with them. Right. Um, the other thing, as far as his clothes, the idea was that, you know, let's say that... First of all, it's Thanksgiving Eve, mm-hmm. right? Which means it's a Wednesday. Um, you're jumping out of a plane late on a Wednesday going into a, into Thanksgiving Thursday. If you're wearing a suit and you've jumped out of a plane and you land in the middle of the woods, it's way easier to hitch your way out of there if you're in a suit than it is if you're in, you know, whatever kind of civvies or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dress down. So the idea was that he was doing this with the intent to land hitch a ride, and get home for work on Monday. <laughs> like, four days is a lot of time to get back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the, 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 it's a reasonable thing to think that he had a plan to get himself back to a really ordinary life, you know, a few days later. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think about. Because, like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> right? And the thing is, he... His name probably isn't even Dan Cooper. Like, he right. he wouldn't have bought the ticket under his own name if he knows he's going to do this. Yeah, I think there's a comic hero or a comic <laughs> character that shares the same name. I think possibly a, uh, like, a pilot themselves in a comic that some people think his name was taken from. Okay. Dan Cooper. Um, but they don't really know for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, what else do I have here? So, um... Every aspect, like I said, has been thoroughly scrutinized, but the ultimate conclusion by the FBI was, I mean, ultimately, where they still stand to this day is that he probably died on the jump. Yeah, I feel like that's the conclusion that I read. They're pretty sure he died. And there's a lot of good reasons to think this, too. Uh, He jumps into, when he jumped, he would have been jumping into 70-degree Fahrenheit negative weather without protection in 200-mile-an-hour wind, in the rain. And the parachute that he used was the inferior of the four he was given. So he got two, like, basically good parachutes and two Mm -hmm. not-that-great parachutes. And I'm actually not really sure why they gave him two of each. But he asked for four parachutes. They gave him 
two and two of two different kinds. Maybe that's all that they could get their hands on at the time, or yeah, maybe that's maybe they were hedging their bets. Yeah, and they were like, hopefully he uses a shitty one, and you know, right. But he chose the inferior of the parachutes, which suggests that he didn't really know what to look for. He wasn't that educated. Yeah, he wasn't experienced. And maybe didn't really know how to use it. Yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's reasonable to conclude he probably didn't know what he was doing and he possibly died. Also, another, another point that I remember being brought up when I was researching this a while ago was the fact that they delayed him considerably. Yes. And so he could have had other parts of the plan that were kind of squashed by them doing that. That's true. Um, or, like, he, he could have accounted for the weather or where he was actually going to be when he jumped. But because they got delayed, that that part of the plan didn't go as he wanted it to. Right. So he ended up kind of going off script. Yeah. And because of that probably didn't survive because the things he counted on weren't, you know, happening. Well, that's a good thing. point, because the, the thing is, again, you know, it's a half an hour flight that left at 3, so he should yeah. have been in, and was in Seattle by 3.30. Mm-hmm. He may very well have expected to be leaving from there pretty shortly. And also, it, like, it would have been nighttime now yeah. that they've delayed several hours. Right, so what should have possibly in his head best case scenario, maybe back in the air by 4 on the way to Mexico City, he actually, he jumps out of the plane at 8.15. Yeah. That's a lot later. And, yeah. And the sun's down because it's November. Yeah. It's nighttime. It's dark. That that seems likely to me. He basically ended up going off book. Yeah. Even if he knew what he was doing, he's now disoriented because... It's nighttime. He doesn't have the light he was supposed to have. Things yeah. didn't go according to plan. And it's raining. It's colder than it should be. Yeah. There's. I mean, even though, even though it seems likely he didn't know what he was doing, this is like, this would be difficult for an expert. Yeah. If not impossible, without the right protection. This and I think one of the reasons I love this story so much is the mystery around D.B. Cooper and his identity being attributed to so many different people. Yeah, well, uh, yes, and that was something I was going to touch on, actually, is there are a lot of theories about who D.B. Cooper might actually have been. It's much like the Zodiac Killer thing. (laughs) In that, I think that it's Ted Cruz. (laughs) No, in that everyone has their ideas and everyone likes to throw this around every so often. Yeah. Um, I actually encourage people to look up yeah. Ed Edwards because <laughs> I am fairly convinced that he could be the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, right. It's another thing that came out of our My Favorite Murder visit. And also, like, if you like true crime, just look up Ed Edwards. Yeah. It's really horrifying but interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, continue what you were saying well, about the I was, theories. I wasn't going to get into too many or really any specific names. There was one, though, that I just want to mention, but I don't want to mention him by name, and there's a reason. Okay. Which is that as recently as uh, the middle of 2016 to 2017, some filmmakers uh, made the claim that they had found who they believed to be the living D.B. Cooper in California. Okay. Uh, a guy who uh, served in the Air Force... And a guy who possibly had um, done some uh, cryptography, and mm-hmm. they had claimed that 
something that they had found written, you know, by D.B. Cooper that was actually like an encoded message. Okay. And that they had deciphered his initials out of it and all this stuff. But I, I'm leaning against this one. It doesn't... It doesn't necessarily ring true to me. Sounds a little too made up. It's a little bit too saucy and exciting. And also, I feel for the guy that they're accusing of being D.B. Cooper. He's like an older dude, an older dude now who lost his job as a result of like all the the heat on him and like Mm. this documentary crew or whatever they're doing. I'm sure in like six months, Netflix will release the documentary and we'll, you know, That'll be out there. We'll, we'll unabashedly binge it. <laughs> yes, of course. We'll watch it shamelessly, and I, all of my guilt will be absolved because I'll know it's him now. Mm-hmm. I'll just be convinced. But it made me feel bad for that guy. Um, but but there are a lot of you know people that they think D.B. Cooper could have been, and one of the most sort of general theories that interests me is that he's CIA. <laughs> mm. Um, a lot of people think that D.B. Cooper was CIA, that the entire plan of this thing was just basically to, to, you know, pull off a crazy stunt, make some money, and that if he was ever to be caught, he'd basically have immunity as a spy of some kind. Mm-hmm. And that he would just get away with it. Yeah. Which kind of explains the brazen, over-the-top nature of pulling a stunt like this. No one got hurt, and, and no one was threatened in reality. It was all fictional threat. Yeah. There was never any oh. real danger to anybody. Yeah, the bomb wasn't real, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no real bomb. Um He just made something to look like a bomb, but he didn't really have a bomb. Yeah. But in that in that sense, when you think about the kind of crazy shit the CIA has pulled over the years, it really is basically like a the um most the most uh psychotic version of a prank. Yeah. It's just a prank, bro. It's a prank. <laughs> it's a prank. Um, you know, I just, I could go to work <laughs> and earn a couple bucks, but you know, I'm just not really into it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to construct a fake bum. Yeah. I'm going to get on a plane. All right. I'm going to slip a note. Um, I'm going to explain the situation. I'm going to be real polite. Yeah. Real, real nice. nice I'll be real nice. And, and uh, then you I'm put just, your sunglasses on and you just wait to land. Yeah. I'm just going to steal some money and, uh. Jump out of the airplane, bing, bang, boom. Bing, bang, boom. Bing, bang, boom. $200,000, just like that. Home to do some more espionage on Monday. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's, it continues to be a fascinating story. And it's, yeah. I think it's kind of telling that every couple of years, someone else thinks someone they else found. Someone else is D.B. Cooper. Yeah, like it just, it's a story that refuses to die. Eventually, we're going to age out of being able to do that people (laughs) eventually not that long from now it's not going to make any sense to accuse any more people of being db cooper yeah right everyone's going to be dead same with the zodiac killer yeah but um but yeah no that's basically that's the story of db cooper and i left out a lot yeah a lot i mean i didn't want to you know run us hours and hours into this, but you could just keep digging. It's so well, interesting. Thank you so much for thinking of that and bringing that one up. Yeah. Because I love that story and I forgot all about it. Yeah. D.B. Cooper is cool. And like, not that people don't know about D.B. Cooper, but not enough people know about D.B. Cooper. I'm wondering if X-Files is why I thought of D.B. Cooper. I wonder did if they, they did do an episode something on based that. on that. 
I can't remember. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I know something sent me down the rabbit hole. Yeah. The goose chase. Yeah. No, it could be. I mean, you know, it's, it's I don't, I would not be totally surprised to find they finally did an episode about db cooper i know i'm i'm not gonna figure out what it is but it's driving me nuts i wish i knew what set me off i feel like it was a tv show or something and they referenced it and i went what are they talking about and i i watch so much tv yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) it's impossible to trace it all anymore isn't it um but anyway i guess that's kind of it that's another goose chase that's it yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Unfortunately, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um. So. Well, this has been a delightful episode. I hope have you have you. <laughs> oh no! The robot's malfunctioning. Uh, uh, oh no! Uh, oh no! No! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The the Christie robot is. Is on fire. Oh, oh my God, Dave! What is happening in oh, here? Did you oh, build a robot of me? Oh, hey, real Christy, I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's head cannon. Now <laughs> there was a robot of you for one episode. <laughs> Periodically talked normal and like a robot yeah. intermittently. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it wasn't that good at being a real sounding robot because sometimes it started sounding like a robot. <laughs> On cue. Yeah. For like, no reason. Only at the times when it was appropriate for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. It um, loved, that robot loved sight gags. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We will be back in another week with an episode hosted by Christy, who is not a robot and never was. That you know of. Uh, so we will see you in another week for another exciting and fun episode of The Goose Chase. Ha ha ha. I'm a real human. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 